Good morning, Cross Point Community Church. It is good to see you here this morning. Um, I'm going to invite from the start here back to Miss Jen and Miss Danielle, all first through third graders. Uh, you are welcome to be dismissed right now. Parents, if you've not signed them in, would you please head back with your children just for safety's sake and then run back here to the auditorium. We've got a lot to cover in the next 45 minutes. <clears throat> Again, whether you're visiting with us this morning or a regular attender, uh, whether you're watching online or listening on the radio, we are thrilled that you have taken this time in your schedule to obey God and to study His Word. And we pray that this time means something to you. Again, as we just prayed, this is not just a time you check off that you did something on Sunday morning at 10.15. No, this, our prayer is that this means something to you. That you grow by God's grace every single time that you study here at Cross Point Community Church and that it would compel you to walk with Christ every day of the week, every moment of every day. So please take your Bibles this morning and turn to Romans chapter 5 if you're not already there. It's also on the back of your handout this morning. It is on your devices if you would like to follow along on your device. Romans chapter 5. Before we get into this text, if you would just give me about five minutes or so uh, to reiterate some of those wonderful announcements that my friend Griff shared with us this morning. Uh, just some reminders and then just uh, a word from our elders on, on a topic we'd like to just mention this morning. Uh, first of all, if you're starving for fellowship as I am, relationships, you are invited to this pig thing tonight. Roast, eat, eat pig. <laughs> food will be provided. It will be good food. But more than good food, it will be good fellowship. And so my encouragement to you is when you come at 5.30, whether there's 10 of us or 110 of us, it doesn't matter. Here's the challenge. Go find someone and talk to them. <laughs> because guess what? You're not the only one starving for, ministry, uh, for fellowship in this body right now. Don't wait for someone. I mean, Chaplain Jim and the elders here are so good at trying to coordinate fellowship. Listen, don't wait for that. You go find somebody and make it a goal tonight as you come that you take this opportunity to encourage three or four or five or 25 people in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. Feel free to come and go as you like. There will be a movie we'll watch afterwards, um, whether it's outside or if it's too cold for the faint of heart. <laughs> we'll go inside. I don't know, whatever Jim's got planned. Thank you, Jim and Aaron and others who have planned this so, so diligently. Then this... I'm just going to show this clip again. We have a wonderful opportunity coming up, the 22nd and 23rd, uh, to glean the truths from two servants of Jesus Christ, Dr. Nicholas Allen and his wife. And so I'm just going to play this clip, uh, this invite from them. We saw this last week as well. Uh, maybe we don't have the sound on. Is it going? We'll try it one more time.
So pray about this. Would you pray about your involvement taking a Friday night and Saturday and enjoying gleaning? And by the way, all, all of these truths that will be taught in this in-between conference are directly in line with what we are studying in the book of Romans. You'll notice on that handout in the back, there's a little bit of an outline. We have transitioned from condemnation to justification. The next segment of the book is very heavy on what's known as sanctification. Day in, day out, walking with Jesus Christ based on the fact that He has saved our souls. That's that in-between. So I pray that you might consider, even if it's coming for some of that time, Friday and Saturday, please sign up for that and enjoy that as an entire family. Lastly this. Um, boy, every week recently has been so much fun. <laughs> Especially with all this stuff going on in our community. And I would just like to say this. I mean, we talked, we have spent a lot of time talking and praying as an elder team this week, trying to be very sensitive to what's going on in our community around us, to be what's going on with our church family. Um, here has been our goal from the onset when it comes to COVID and the whole thing, the last year and a half, is that God would give us a grace as an elder team to obey the scriptures to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace in the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you, there are different persuasions about how things should be handled by every single one of you out there. Every single one of us has a different idea of what this should look like. But I do know this, that the common bond here in this group is not how you feel about a mask or a vax. It is the fact that Jesus Christ has saved your soul. That is what brings us together. Um, we put a little bit of a statement out this week as an elder team, um, and, and, and I hope you read that with hearts of grace. We simply did not feel it was prudent for our church to host an event that was to be scheduled here, a protest type event. But if you read that, and in any way felt like like your elder team was discouraging political involvement, then you misread that. <laughs> Please understand that. Just because we, we made this statement that we didn't feel like it was prudent to have this type of a protest on our church property does not mean we are discouraging political involvement on a personal level primarily. This does not mean we discourage standing for your rights as a U.S. citizen, that's not what we read into that. I hope you didn't read into that. This does not mean that we are not sympathetic to the causes and concerns at hand. Please understand. I mean, our elder team, we were torn this week because so many of us are struggling through the same things, through the various mandates and whatnot. This does not mean we are against peaceful protest. That is not what we wrote about this week. It just means that for the sake of unity among the brother, brethren in matters of conscience, this protest and this, this type thing was not best suited for our church property here. That's all it meant. And so I hope you can take that encouragement. And I hope you can realize that we want to in every way encourage the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace here among the body of Christ. All right. So much heaviness this week. You ready for a little lighter side? Can, can we take something heavy and turn it into something lighter real quick? 
I mean, because I know there's heaviness going on right now, but I'm part of a pastor's fellowship on social media, and sometimes there's some really good doctrinal discussion. Other times there's just some stuff that are good for laughs, and that particularly was what happened the last two days in regard to a question that one of the pastors posed, and here was the question. Which of the disciples would have been vaccinated? <laughs> oh man, that was such a fun discussion. All right, which one of these disciples would have been vaccinated? So, okay, not, not to try to offend anyone here. We can take this on a lighter side, but I love some of these responses like this. Peter would have gotten it, and then he would have denied it. Here's one. Matthew would have certainly had his booster already. Simon the Zealot, he would have attended all the protests and stockpiled ivermectin. <laughs> Philip would have multiple questions and concerns about it. Andrew would probably have been too young to care. James and John would call down fire from heaven on Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> I like that. Thomas would wait until everybody else had it, and then maybe he'd think about it. And then Judas, he'd turn everyone in for not wearing their mask. <laughs> um, more, there's, there's a lot of these good ones. but uh, And then one of the guys says, don't you think they, they all would have just gone to the rabbi and asked for a religious exemption? <laughs> all right, sorry for the offense if that was an offense to you, but sometimes we just need a good laugh about tense stuff. So, any rate, Romans chapter 5. I hope you're ready to jump into Romans chapter 5 this morning. Here's the topic at hand as we travel through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, 12 through 21. We're talking about justification's triumph. If you haven't noticed, we are in a culture that loves the triumph theme. We love victory vibes. Whether it is the movies we watch, the books we read, the sports we support, the stories we tell, we love triumph over unparalleled opposition. We love beating the odds. We love victory over adversity. I'm going to tell you, Romans chapter 5 12 through 21 is saturated with the triumph theme. And I hope you're ready this morning. I hope you came ready to rejoice in the triumph found in Jesus Christ. A sneak peek. Look at verse 20 with me. This is where we're headed with this study today. I'm going to read one phrase that you might want to highlight and underline. Because this one phrase is like a summary of the entire study today, and here it is. Where sin increased. Brothers and sisters, that has been the first three chapters of the book of Romans. Where sin increased. And as soon as you think it couldn't get any worse, Paul throws through the Spirit another verse at you, and another verse at you, and another verse. And you get to the end of chapter 3, and you're like, wow, there's no hope. And then we come to the end of chapter 3 and we find the beauty of the gift of grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. And our hearts start opening up to this, this beautiful grace. And now in this last section on justification, as you can clearly see the themes developed through this book, 
It's like Paul, overwhelmed with triumph in Jesus Christ our Lord, says this, where sin increased, grace abounded much more, or all the more. Some of your translations say it this way, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That's the study today. So I hope you came today ready to be excited. If we remember, uh, let's go back to the first part of chapter 5. We actually started the first part of chapter 5 last month, and then we went back into chapter 4, and and then uh, we're returning now to the end of chapter 5. Lord willing, today we will be wrapping up the section in Romans that seems to primarily highlight this concept, justification. What is this justification? Uh, Hopefully you've caught this by now because we try to review it every week and we talk of this. But this justification is a declaration of righteousness by God, the righteous judge, for undeserving convicted, condemned sinners. It is a declaration of righteousness by God. It is a gracious declaration. And as you travel through Romans 3 through 5, you clearly see the terms of this justification. By now we should grasp these things. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is this justification. You can do nothing to earn this justification. Even the best of the best of the best of all of those in the human race were all since Adam till now and into the future. Not the best of the best could even in one ounce impress a holy God. It is only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is this declaration of righteousness. Now, the first part of chapter 5 proves to us how valuable this is. You remember this study. Hopefully, you remember. If not, I would encourage you to go back and look at the first part of chapter 5. Because it starts off like this. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. That's how chapter 5 starts. Do you remember the values that we looked at when it came to justification? This was a couple weeks ago. I'll just state them. How valuable is this justification? Here it is. Through justification we are no longer at war with God. Praise God Almighty that through Jesus Christ you wake up in the morning and you're not at war with a holy God. Through Jesus Christ you are an heir. You are at peace with God. Your standing is secure before a holy God. So now instead of warring God because of our sin, we are warring our sin with the empowerment of God. It is a beauty. That is the beauty of the book of Romans. Here's the other, another one. Through justification, we have personal access to God's sustaining grace. Again, you get up in the morning, guess what, brothers and sisters in Christ? You have access to God's throne of grace. He is listening. He is waiting. He loves talking with his children. Here's another one, verse 2. Through justification, we can confidently rejoice and restore glory. Verse 3 through 8, we can courageously rejoice through suffering 
verse 11, we can securely rejoice in God himself. None of that's on this handout. It's all on a previous discussion. But I hope you realize that as you travel through the book of Romans, you see very clearly Romans chapter 5 is a beautiful chapter. It shows us how important this justification is to day in, day out life. Justification is not just some high theological term for seminary tables. No. It is for you and for me right now, right here. It is for tomorrow when we get out of bed and when we go to lunch and when we have dinner and when we pillow our heads at night. This justification means something for every moment of every day. Now, midway through chapter 5, we come to what seems to be the conclusion of this discussion on justification. It is going to transition us into this discussion on sanctification. It prepares us for this, but in this triumph section, this is the triumph section, we find an amazing comparison. I love this. Because Paul, through the Holy Spirit, has already talked of Moses and David and Abraham. Okay, now let's continue this discussion and let's go back to the very first man ever created. Let's talk about how holistic this discussion is by going back to Adam. That's exactly what he does in this text. He brings this comparison between the first sinner, Adam, and the eternal Savior, Christ. If you want to write down the first Adam, we'll talk about this more, the last Adam, it's in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, you will see this highlighted. But I want us to read about this right now. Would you just... Look in your Bibles with me at verses 12 through 21. I'm going to just kind of go through all of this text right now. And as we go through this, would you just kind of see this, this comparison? Adam, Christ. The first Adam, the last Adam. The first sinner, the eternal Savior. And let's just see this comparison over and over again through these verses. All right, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. We'll discuss that in just a minute. Verse 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of, of the one who was to come. Verse 15, But the free gift, the free gift found in Jesus Christ, is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift, sorry, I skipped a fit, uh, verse, didn't I? Back to verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Verse 16. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass... Death reigned through that one man. 
much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. We're talking about the act of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned into death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, let's unpack this. Obviously, we're not going to be able to go super deep in the next 35, uh, 25 minutes now. <laughs> but we'll unpack it and give you a lot to think about this week. Paul is certainly in comparison mode here through the Spirit. Comparison mode is on turbo. <laughs> he proves how amazing justification is by comparing two historic individuals, Adam and Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the first Adam and the last Adam. The first man of God's creation and the first man of God's new creation, if it were that way. In this text, we find this key idea. Let's try to wrap our minds around this. And by the way, this is one of those texts you've got to put your thinking caps on. Uh, technically speaking, we're talking about in the original language, a lot of commentators will say this is the most enigmatic or the most confusing text in all of the book of Romans. It jumps back and forth so much. So what do we do in those type of texts? We find the themes, we stick to these themes, we see it developed one phrase at a time. Well, this key idea comes from this, and this is a key truth that will guide us through the entire discussion. Here it is. Just like Adam's sin has led all human beings into defeat and death, that's condemnation, by God's grace Christ's sacrifice leads all true believers into triumph and life. All right, two basic comparisons here today. One, through Adam, sin increased and death reigned. That's all of human history. Through Adam, sin increased and death reigned. All right, but then here's the second comparison through the triumphant Christ, grace abounded and brought eternal life. This morning, we're just going to look at those two simple points, starting with this one. Through Adam, sin spread and death reigned. Verse 12 summarizes it so well. If you look with me at verse 12, Paul, through the Spirit, says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world. So this takes us right back to the Garden of Eden and the rebellion of Adam and Eve, primarily Adam who made the choice to sin. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. 
This verse is an introduction to this entire next section. And it carries the thought along three lines of argument. Here are the three lines of argument, the three basic statements. It's right there in verse 12. First of all, number one, through Adam, sin came into the world. Next argument, through sin, death came into the world. Next argument, through every person in Adam's race, sin and death spread into the entire world. That's the passage. It just lines it out so beautifully. Now, from verse 12 comes more explanation. But think about this with me. Every time we read a passage like this, we want to think about the original audience that Paul's writing to. What happens if you're there in the body of Christ in Rome? So we're talking about this congregation at Rome, and you're sitting there, Jews and Gentiles alike, all have come together in Jesus Christ. But there seems to be this argument from the Jews as they look over at the Gentiles, or even in the community, the Jews in the community thinking, oh, we're not quite that bad. I mean, we've gone through this as we've laid this entire context. Y'all are bad. Just look at your lives, you depraved sinners and moral reprobates, the Jews might say. What's, what is Paul simply doing? He said, okay, let's make a comparison here. Let's tie you all. And guess what? Not a single one of you did not come from Adam. Every one of you came from Adam, and Adam is the first sinner. So through the sin of Adam, all of y'all are sinners. That's what he's saying. Technically, Paul, couldn't you say that sin wasn't really fully formalized until the law, Jews might say, and the law was given to Moses? Don't you remember, Paul? You couldn't technically have formalized sin until the law came and Moses brought that law. God gave it to Moses. Couldn't sin be held off till then? And so doesn't that kind of leave a little bit of a loophole there, Paul, from Adam to Moses? And here's what Paul dynamically says through the Spirit. Don't even think about that. Why? Here's the proof. Death. Guess what happened to every single person from Adam to Moses? Well, save one, Enoch. Guess what happened? Death! And what is, the, what is the purpose and what is the existence of death? Death proves one thing. Sin! Sin is not counted in a technical sense where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, he was, or who was a type of the one who was to come. So, even though sin wasn't as neatly designated and articulated as we find in the, in the law of Moses, clearly telling us what is sin, what isn't sin, even though that didn't happen until Moses happened, sin was still sin. Why? Because it was rebellion against God and His Word. And where does that start, my friends? In the Garden of Eden. Sin happened because Adam and Eve rebelled against a holy God. And what is the proof? One word. Death. What is the, what is the proof that sin existed? Death happened. Why? Because promise is a consequence of sin Death was to be passed from one, one individual to another all the way through 
the human race. Apart from Enoch, every single person born into the human race before Moses experienced death. The evidence is found in the clear promise of God in Genesis 2. You remember this promise. If you eat of the tree, you shall surely what? Die. Today, a lot of us will love spending time in Genesis 1 through 3, potentially even uh, venture into Romans 4, but we sort of ignore chapter 5. Well, I want to I highlight chapter 5 today because in chapter 5 of Genesis, you can just write that down, Genesis, there's one phrase that happens over and over and over and over again. And what is that one phrase as we go from one generation to another? Here is the meaning of this phrase, God will keep his word. What he said he would do, he, what he promised he would do, he would do, even when it means death. Here's the phrase, and he died. And he died. Go to Genesis 5 and circle how many times you find this phrase. And he died. And he died. And he died. What's the, pur- what's, what's the purpose of all of that? God will keep his word. Sin happened, and from sin came death. The conclusive argument is this. Through Adam, sin spread to every single person born into the human race. Verses 15 through 19 Paul shifts the focus to God's free gift, Christ. However, he continues his argument uh, toward universal sin. He continues it one phrase at a time. I mean, just look at some of these phrases. Many died through one man's trespass, verse 15. Verse 16, the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. Verse 17, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Verse 18, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. 19, by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. What's the clear point? From Adam, sin passed to every single member of Adam's race. By the way, when you're looking at that word many, in verse 19, some get derailed on one word, many. And I would simply say, well, there's a lot of material that came before that verse. That is the entire Romans 1 through 3. Very clear on this subject. Paul, using that in a loose term, he's already clarified. You compare Scripture with Scripture here. And Paul clearly says, all are sinners. And now verse 20, I, I like it, look at it like this. Verse 20 is the icing on the sin cake. What is the icing on the sin cake? The law of Moses exactly what Paul says. What proves that every single person in the human race is a sinner? The law of God given to Moses. It's actually what Paul says here. He says this. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. What does the law do? I mean, we go to Galatians. You go to any one of these New Testament epistles, and what is the law doing? The law is clarifying beyond a shadow of a doubt two things. One, Humans can't do it on their own. You cannot do it. As much as you try, you will fail. And so what is the next conclusion? Number one, the law proves that man can't do it. Number two, the law proves we need a rescuer, Jesus. That's what the law was doing. If you go through the books of of the law, you read through the law, here's what it's saying. You can't do it. Look to Jesus. You can't do it. 
All of these designations of the temple and all of the, all of the organization of how worship is, is seen in the Old Testament is proving you cannot perfectly do this. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here. So what is the clear point, clearly, in this text? Through Adam, sin spread to every single human being. What is the evidence? Death reigned uncontrollably through the entire human race. What is the security of this argument? The icing on the sin cake? The law of God given to Moses that could never be perfectly followed and proved dynamically that all were sinners in need of a Savior. And so what is the conclusion as you go through verses 12 through 21? Unquestionably, unquestionably, through Adam, all human beings experience defeat, death, and condemnation. But that's not the only point of this passage. Praise Jesus. <laughs> We've already been beat up on that in the first three chapters, Pastor. Why are you going back to that? The only reason I'm going back to it is because Paul does. <laughs> All right. Why are you saying this? Because Paul does. Because he's setting up a comparison here to show us how amazing the triumph is. How amazing Jesus is. And that leads us to the very next point. First point, through Adam, sin spread and death reigned. And then now we see a good and gracious and kind God. And I'm just going to interject this. This is a God that our culture does not want us to see. Everything about our culture is saying, that is a monster God that you serve. And I would say, no, no, no. Read the Bible. He is a good and gracious God. He is good and gracious in the way He gives life and breath every day to sinners who have rebelled against Him. And He is good and gracious in this point that through Christ, grace abounded and secured eternal life. So where death happened through Adam, guess what? Grace abounded and eternal life happened through Jesus Christ. Let's go straight to verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. I mean, I don't know how many more times, as you read through this text, how many more times could Paul say gift or grace? <laughs> this is the point. To overwhelm us with how amazing this gift of grace is. I spent some time yesterday. Uh, Saturdays, Saturdays are pretty full with soccer games, and yesterday we had soccer games down in uh, Sacramento. It's my son David's. We traveled down there, played a couple games, came back. Great time with my son, and uh, different ones on his soccer team, but as we were going down, I like listening to books, and so I was listening to um, biographies and uh, stories. I, I love the story of Augustine of Hippo. I love the story of Martin Luther and John Calvin, and, and John Piper brings all those together in this amazing boy, book talking about sovereign joy, and, and seeing how they looked at God as a monster God. We're talking about theologians, primarily Martin Luther. He hated the righteousness of God. But then by the Spirit, his eyes were opened to this concept of grace. That this God is good. That this God empowers us 
through, uh, gives us new life through Jesus Christ, and his whole perspective was changed. To see how Augustine of, Augustine of Hippo, his whole life was changed when he interacted with this God. Augustine of Hippo was a depraved man filled with all kinds of immorality in his life. His mom prayed for him regularly. God, rescue this man. And then as he read, and we'll get to this in Romans chapter 13, as he read through Romans 13, the eyes of his understanding were opened and he saw the grace of God in new light and he came to Jesus Christ in saving faith. One of the greatest theologians of all time came to God through Jesus Christ reading Romans 13 and his eyes were opened to the free gift of grace through Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying here. Uh, let's just continue with this comparison. Look at verse 16. And I'll just designate this comparison. You've already done it in your mind, but here it is. The free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Verse 17. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. One act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Verse 19, by the one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. And then we come to what's sort of like this dynamic summary, uh, grand finale of this passage. It's verse 20. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's just take a second. I mean, again, I mean, this is like trying to drink from a fire hose. <laughs> your face is like flying off the back of your skull trying to understand this stuff. Wrapping our minds around this. It's definitely going to take some time to dig into this this week, but I will say this. What a beautiful comparison guiding us to the amazement of God's grace. I mean, the songs we sang this morning, amazing grace, my chains are gone. I can barely sing that songs at times without tears coming to my eyes. This grace for me? <laughs> Where sin abounded or sin increased, grace abounded all the more. I want us to, for the last five minutes, focus on that phrase. The thought. Where sin increased, it's the word abounded. Where sin increased and abounded and grew through Adam. Grace superabounded. That's the word. I love this word. Where sin increased, grace superabounded. It super increased. It's, it's in the text in the original language. It's like this. Where you have an increase of something, you have an overflow of something. Where sin steadily grew, grace overflowed lavishly. Awesome! Where sin increased on the scale, grace hit the scale and completely busted the thing. Where sin increased, grace super increased. Clearly, here's the point of Paul th through this text. Through Adam, sin abounded. Through the law, sin increased. However, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Christ on the cross of Calvary, where sin abounded, grace superabounded. Brothers and sisters in Christ, 
friends here today who have come to Jesus Christ by saving faith. This is for you and this is for me. Where our sin abounded, God's grace superabounded and saved our wretched souls. So what? So what? How's this guy going to stop yelling and start concluding this today? And I would say it probably had to do something like this with this question. Does justifications triumph a reality to you? So many of us have been here through this entire journey in Romans. You've seen the ugliness of condemnation. You've seen the beauty of justification. But my question is this. Is this a reality to you? So there's a a transition that must happen in every single person's heart and mind and life. There's a transition that only comes as the Holy Spirit of God is moving on your soul. What is this transition? It is a transition from proposed truth to personal reality. What do I mean? You heard the truth this morning. It's clear in the text of Scripture. You cannot deny it. But is it a personal reality to you? What do I mean? Have you come to Jesus Christ in saving faith? I'm talking to some of the young ones here in elementary school sitting so good in this service, listening. All these theological words, and you're like, Mom, what does that mean? You're sitting there so well, listening. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the middle school, the high school student that has been here for all of these studies. I'm talking to you. Is this a personal reality to you? Have you come to Jesus Christ in saving faith? Have you truly embraced this truth to the point that it changes every area of your life? How do you know if this is reality to you? That might be a good question, and I will tell you this question will be answered in the next three chapters, which we're not going to study today. But how do you know if this is reality to you? Here's how you know. You know what is a reality to you if God's grace translates into every single area of your life. Every thought, every action, every reaction, you know it is a reality to you by how you battle sin and live for righteousness this very day by God's grace. I close with this. Why does this mean so much to me? Again, man, that guy's up there. He's getting exercised, man. I leave here sweating every Sunday because I get so excited about this. I want to tell you, here's why this means so much to me today is because this is October 10th, 2021. It's my birthday. Not my physical birthday. On October 10th, 1989, God Almighty sent His Spirit into my life and opened the eyes of my understanding. As a young boy sitting in the back of the auditorium as my dad preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Spirit opened my eyes to the grace and mercy and kindness of a good Savior. 
When he started praying at the end of that service, I couldn't stay in my seat. Got out of my seat right away and came down front. And even though I knew all the Bible verses he quoted in that sermon, almost every single one of them, I didn't know Jesus. And as a young man, preteen young man, I came to the front and my dad met me at the front. Andrew, I said, Dad, I need to be saved. <laughs> I need Jesus. Why does this mean so so much for me? Because God reached into my life as a young boy on October 10th, 1989, and he drew me to himself. I went from dead to alive. I went from walking in darkness to a child of light, and I praise God that in my life where sin abounded, grace superabounded. Would that be you today? So God, we come to you by your grace. Through Jesus Christ the righteous, we thank you for this passage. Got a a, a simple point today. Through Adam, all became sinners, but through Christ, all who believe triumph in righteousness. I pray today, Father, that you would make this reality to those in this room that have never come to you by grace through faith in Christ. My friends here today, there may be some here today that have been wrestling with this. Young ones here today, you might have been wrestling with this all sermon long. Maybe you've been wrestling with this for weeks or months or years. Would today be the day when you come to Jesus Christ by saving faith? We're going to sing a song to close out this service. Death was arrested. And I'm going to be standing right here singing in the front. If you need someone to talk to about this, pray with, I would be happy to talk with you more about this. There'll be others here, and just as we start singing, I'm going to invite the chaplains to come forward. There'll be elders around the auditorium. If God is laying on your heart today that you need to come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, would this be that day? For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, I'm going to close out this service with a prayer for us. And here is this. The prayer is going to be this that we would never lose the amazement of God's grace. When we go out these doors today, when we get into our cars, when we go to our homes or to the places of of, of food, that we would be overwhelmed with God saved our souls. We didn't deserve it. Through Christ we have new life. So God, that is the very prayer that I close out this service with. Twofold. One, I pray, Father, oh, by your mercy and grace, continue to draw those who have not come to you in saving faith. That right now would be the time when they call on you to save their souls. They would repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in you for salvation alone. And then, Father, I pray for those of us who have come to you in saving faith, that we would never lose the amazement of this grace that we studied about today. Father, as we close out this section on justification in our study, as we enter into this 
section on sanctification, that we would realize that there is not a divide between the two, that our justification is to, is to lead us right into this sanctification. New life in Christ should lead truly to new life in Christ. And we thank you for that. Bless us as a body of believers as we go our way. Thank you for the time we could spend in your holy word today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here for worship today, corporate worship. I pray that your heart was encouraged. I would challenge you to take these truths we learned today to go home and meditate on them. Meditate on them today, tomorrow, the rest of this week, and uh, see as God continues to exhort us and encourage us through His amazing grace. Some of you came this morning ready to share of your resources. We're not going to pass any offering plates this morning. Uh, there are boxes in the back for that. You can also share online uh, in obedience to God through sharing of your resources that way. Thank you for being here today. Would you stand with me? We're going to close with this song. You might know it. You might not if you don't know it. Uh, worship with the words on the screen. If you do know it, sing this as an anthem of praise to Almighty God. Again, if you are wrestling with this thought of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, don't leave today without talking of that. I will be here at the front. Others will be here as well.